Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, episode 92. Cultural awareness starts with self-awareness. It's being honest and being open and, and being okay with not knowing everything. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Eric McMahon. And today we have Daniel John with us of Maximum Sports Conditioning in Bellevue, Washington. Uh, Daniel and I connected earlier this year um, talking about uh, diversity inclusion and some of the initiatives that the NSCA has uh, been working on um, during this year. And so we're going to talk about that today. I'm really excited to have you on. Before we start, I just want to learn a little bit more about your background, man. How did you get into the field? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate you having me on, and and you know I enjoy talking about these these topics, these subjects. So um, I'm I'm excited, man. So um, you know my my story uh, in this field is a little interesting. Um, it's fairly unique. I actually fell into this industry. Um, so the University of Washington, I played baseball there, and uh, they do not have an exercise science program. And um, so I actually intended, I thought, you know, I was going to play and then uh, I was going to, uh, my backup plan was, was to teach. And so um, I actually, I ended up getting degrees in history and sociology and a minor in physics as well. I started out as physics and math. Um, and then, you know, it's funny because the lab, you know, the lab time, uh, it, you know, it just overlaps with practice and games. And so, you know, by the time I was a, a, a junior and I, I had a bunch of classes under my belt, but I said, man, I, I don't think I could do this anymore because I'm, I'm missing so much lab time. So uh, I ended up with a minor. But but during that time, um, I really got to know the weight room. It was a big part of my career. And I got to know my strength coaches really well. I uh, had some um, pretty amazing relationships with them. And um, so I kind of started a... Um, <laughs> you know, a, a kind of a like an internship, an unofficial internship after my junior year. Um, I was medically disqualified my senior year. Um, I jacked my back all up. And, and so at that point in time, um, the strength coaches saw enough value in, in what I brought uh, in the weight room, just, just in coaching and, and working with our, our athletes at that time that they decided they wanted to bring me on. And so, um, you know, kinesis and biomechanics always came fairly straightforward, you know, to me, but physiology and anatomy is something that, you know, holy moly, that's a monster. And so I had to go back and sit in on a lot of the biology classes and zoology classes. Uh, we had, there was some anatomy because um, the University of Washington actually has a great medical school, a great PT school, big athletic department. Um, I mean, you'd think that they'd have a, an exercise science department, but uh, they don't. So anyway, I, I learned the nuts and the bolts and got the certifications and then um, was hired full time um, early 2000s. So uh, that's how I kind of I, I, I fell into it. But, um, you know, in talking about diversity and inclusion and, and race and, and things that are going on in society that, you know, those things have always been a passion of mine. I, I actually left the University of Washington in 2006 to run a nonprofit organization. Um, which trained and mentored kids who couldn't afford it, kids from the city. Um, and we, uh, we actually grew too quick. And so I, that's when I, I stopped and I, um, I started my own business at that point in time. So um, I needed to, of course, feed my own kids before I could feed others. So, so I, that's when I opened up Maximum Sports about 14 years ago. Um, but I continued sitting, you know, I sat on um, several racial equity teams. I, I've been on the board of three different nonprofits. Um, those nonprofits are, you know, work in the areas of uh, mentorship and development of uh, African-American boys and youth of color, um, um, health and fitness programs for youth of color. Um, so I've just kind of continued along with running the business and training kids and coaching, uh, you know, I've continued to with my passion and, and helping the community and, and dealing with race relations. That's interesting. And, and I do want to dig into coaching in the private sector with you a little bit here today. Um, yeah. And I, I know we're going to dive into the uh, cultural awareness topics quite a bit here today. Um, but on the coaching side, uh, just to get going, um, talk about coaching in the private sector. You know, you, yeah. you started in college um, and you, you, um, 
also worked in nonprofits and uh, community initiatives, working with youth. Um, and now working in the private sector, that is an emerging space within the strength and conditioning field. I think we've seen it over the past 20 years really take off as, as coaches look for more career opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been successful in the private sector space. Um, talk about those professional uh, prospects for coaches and um, yeah. just what you think of working in the private sector as a strength coach. Yeah, you know, it's funny, man. I I had I knew nothing about business when I decided to <laughs> get into one. And so uh of course I had to I had to learn that as well. And and there's a few lessons that I always try to encourage um young strength coaches getting into the field um to to really think about. And the first thing is is um you you know, you gotta think about why you're doing this. Uh and so um and that can determine and dictate and sway the direction you go. If you're trying to choose your path, whether it be collegiate, professional, private, um, you know, each element brings a bit of a different um, um, experience, different lifestyle, you know, um, and so you gotta have different expectations for each. And so the the thing about the private sector is um, you're, you're not just a strength coach, you are a business person at that point, right? The way that you feed your family is based on how well you run your business. And so um, there's the business expert named Michael Gerber, who I followed when I first started (laughs) learning about all this. And he said that 98% of businesses fail um, early within the first three years, primarily because you have a lot of technicians who think that they can just, because they have great technical skill, that they can build a business, a successful business, just around that technical skill. And the truth is, is that it takes a whole lot more than that. So if you, as a strength coach, just know that if you do enter the private sector, if you've been in the collegiate world, or if you've been in the the professional world, or maybe you haven't been in the world at all yet, just know that there are a lot of things that you are going to be doing that don't have anything to do with strength and conditioning but are that are, are absolutely essential if you want to continue to feed your family and, and make money. Um, and the, you know, and the next thing that, that, w- that has been hard for me in the, in the private sector. And I tell my, my staff this a lot and, and interns that, that are starting out is that um, there's there, you have to find the right balance between the science behind what we know and the marketing and business intuition you need to actually make money. Okay, so for example, I, I am, you know, I'm limited as, as someone in the private sector owning a, a, a gym, you know, my, the athletes come in and they're, they're on a set, set amount of time. They've got, you know, club practices going on, high school practices going on. They might have college practice or, or whatnot. They've got homework to do. They've got, you know, parents that may be driving them. And so, Working with timelines is was a is was a was a significant shift for me. You know, in, in in college, it's like the kids show up, you got them until you say that it's time to go. You know, and um, in the in the private sector, if I know I've only got an hour with the kid, and um, they when they show up at the door to start, you know, their parents say, "Look, man, I really need little Josie to jump higher." Um, you know, she's, she's pretty strong, she's pretty fit, but we just can't get her elevating over that net well enough. So, um, you know, can you guys help with that? And, you know, the answer is yes. Okay. Yeah. We can help this, this little Josie, we can help this kid jump higher. Um, but knowing that we, you know, as strength coaches and, and professionals in the field, we understand the science behind building the body and building power, and they don't always align with what the public is asking for. And so you kind of have to find this happy medium between, okay, you know, my programming needs to follow the science. And at the same time, I got to make a dollar and I've got to figure out how that I can get little Josie jumping higher in the hour that she's here and her walking out the door feeling like, um, wow, mom and dad, we just, that was awesome. You know, we did a lot of jump training work and, and I really feel good about it and I can't wait to go back, you know, uh, that on one side, the other side being, well, you know, we really got, really got to get this kid to learn how to squat properly. And, you know, right now she's still a little bit off and that's all I really want to be doing 
<laughs> but unfortunately <laughs> her mom's paying the bill and she wants her doing jumps jump training stuff right so there's this there you know finding that balance between what we know as strength coaches and what the what your customer and and client is actually asking for can be a little bit tough there i mean i can speak to that from there's a lot of connections to what we see on the professional side when we're working with uh, athletes who are adults, you know, that um, are making decisions for themselves about their athletic career and their, uh, their, their development. In a way, at the professional level, you do feel like more of a uh, educator or a, um, or a service provider and your job is to provide a variety of options for that exists within the field. I think that um, conflicts with the traditional coaching mentality in a way of um, leader in the front of the room or with the whistle really laying out every detail and they're going to do exactly what I say. Right. Um, but that is one when you were talking about that, uh, it's like, wow, that really brings me back to professional baseball and working with professional athletes, even through the developmental years of the minor leagues where um, these are young adults and, yeah. and, and they are vested in the decision-making process as well. Um, right. And that brings me to another thought is that, you know, we have evolved as a coaching community to be better listeners and be more open to feedback from our athletes. Yeah, Everything right. from surveys that we put in place to gauge recovery or sleep habits or nutrition. Um, we obviously care, but I think we're doing a better job of showing we care and integrating sure. that care mentality into our coaching practices. So, For sure. um, but no, that really, um, that really connects. And I think sheds light on the language we use as strength coaches at times. We can yeah. be talking very technical strength and conditioning, talking shop, mm -hmm. or right. we can be promoting or uh, marketing. Um, right. And it's a subtle difference at times, but uh, the perception and what we see, and we see it all the time on social media of, you know, coaches going to war over, over comments of what, it, how something gets presented, but mm -hmm. it may not be truly what was meant or truly what that coach believes at their core. And so right. um, I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah, the private sector space is an area of the field that I think needs to develop more mm -hmm. um, because it, there's so many career options available by learning business skills as strength yeah. coaches. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you look at, I mean, we all know some of the major chains out there, but just, uh, you know, coming from a small community um, up in the Northeast without a lot of strength and conditioning options, I know that as an athlete, I would have loved to have a local strength and conditioning facility that I could have gone and, uh, and get the training that, that I had to seek out. Um, and so it, it truly is a impactful area of the field that gets overlooked at times, but I think it gets foggy too, because what's the difference between private sector strength and conditioning and personal training um, in that way, you know? And um, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, that's a question I get quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a hard one for me too, right? Because I didn't, I'm, I'm not a personal trainer and I didn't go into this field to be a personal trainer. And so the, um, the thought process behind how they go about their daily routines and about their business is very different for me. I mean, I came from the collegiate strength and conditioning world and it's all about coaching and it's, you know, as it, it, it there is, um, you know, it's all about the athlete and it's all about the team and it's about winning. Um, and so the, the self-promotion side of, you know, personal training in the private sector was always kind of this hard thing for me. Um, you know, so, uh, the, the way that we've always approached it is that, you know, we are, we're here to coach, you know, we, um, and you can, I mean, in, in the, you know, when you set up your business, you can decide um, how you want to run it, who you would like to work with, who you want to see, where your, where are your special niches, you know, who are the athletes that you want to service, how do you want to service them? And if you stick true, you stay true to that, um, 
I think you'll have some good results. You know, the, the, the tough part for me, actually, even beyond the separation between a strength coach and personal trainer was um, sales and marketing. You know, that that's the most important part of any business. It doesn't matter what they tell you. That is, <laughs> that's the core and foundation of the business, sales and marketing. And, and when I look back and, uh, you know, um, down the line of my career, I, I think that I learned a lot of that from recruiting, you know, so, you know, the collegiate strength coaches could tell you, right? I mean, you're collegiate, uh, collegiate rec- recruiting is really all just sales. And, and so, you know, I remember not knowing anything about recruiting and, and um, my first year as a full-time guy, they swimming was one of the teams that they gave me and, and they brought in, I mean, this was like first week on the job, you know, they bring, bring in like 10 swimming recruits and here they are with their parents and I need to figure out what to say and how to say it so that they are excited about coming to the university of Washington. Right. And, and so over the years you learn, the you know the the words and the language you mentioned language earlier and, and the things that resonate with with people um specific to sport and specific to need and goal and desire um and that carries through into the private sector you know um so i think conceptually it's all about meeting people where they're at you know what is it that they need what is it that they're looking for and being honest about whether or not we can provide it you know, um, as, as a private business, yeah, we will, we will get, um, uh, questions, inquiries from folks who, you know, don't really fit, uh, our model. And so we, I'll, I'll refer them to other places, you know, if it, if they're not, you know, they don't quite fit in here, then, you know, there is somewhere else that they can be, you know? And so I think designating your model and who you are and who do you speak to and what do you want to do? I think that's a big part of that, you know, separating yourself from the, the, the personal training world. It's interesting. Um, Dan, you have, you know, a unique educational background and path into the field. Um, I, other than the fact that you were an athlete, um, and, and experienced strength and conditioning and, and took it forward into a coaching career. Um, yeah. How did your unique uh, college major and educational background, how does that impact your coaching today and, um, and, and the influence you have with your athletes? Yeah, I mean, guys, that's a great, great question. I mean, I think um, in general, I think the more well-rounded we are as coaches, I think the, the better we do, the more folks that we're able to um, connect with, build bonds of trust with, um, communicate with. You know, not everybody learns the same way. Not everybody receives information in the same way. Um, we don't have the same life experiences. So I think that um, it's one of the reasons why I really value diversity in, in, in this field and every field is, you know, we're, we're bringing different, different life experiences, different paths to the table and to, especially as a coach, right? We want to take all these different paths and, and align them um, and, and be able to direct them and empower them and, and coach them to success. And in order to do that, you know, you've got to have a pretty well-rounded, I believe you've got to have a well-rounded understanding of, of who you're working with, you know, what, what they need, what they need on a, on a daily basis, really, you know? And um, I mean, I know you spent time in the professional world. That's, that's something you guys do really well, you know, highly, highly skilled athletes who may have very different needs on a day-to-day basis. You know, I, I think that's a, a big deal. So I think just the ability to, um, you know, just conceptualize what we're doing from a, um, global perspective, stand back and look and say, you know, um, I've got uh, a a water polo team coming in here and I know, um, you know, one of them's got a meniscus tear and one of them's got, uh, uh, you know, a strained rotator cuff. I know um, two of them are um, studying for finals and I know the team's been on a losing streak you know what I mean and so to be able to take all of that in and still provide the language the communication the energy that they need to to move forward on that day you know I, I think takes um, some understanding some skills some background and, and, and knowledge of, of more than just you know how we're moving iron um, so 
um, anyway, you know, I don't know if that answered your question there, brother, but <laughs> <laughs> no, man. You And I think this comes through loud and clear whenever we talk is that it's all about being more than a, more than a strength coach. Um, and we are impactful in the lives of our athletes, um, our coworkers, whether that's our athletic trainers, the physical therapists we work with, uh, athletic administrators above us, um, you know, and, and our fellow coaches. So it's, we have a huge influence on the people around us in these roles. We are put in a, you know, we're very fortunate to be put in a position of influence and yeah. that comes a certain level of responsibility um, and towards how we act and sort of our um, just professional character that we bring to our job every single day. Dan, you know, and that brings me to, you know, kind of how we connected initially. You know, our friend uh, Scott Caulfield kind of made the connection earlier in this year. There was a lot of going on um, in the media related to cultural awareness and racial incidents, uh, incidences that were that were occurring, you uh, made the connection and simply said, you know, I, you know, I have a message and, and I want to have a platform to say it. You know, I'm very thankful that you did that because we've been communicating ever since going on probably six months now of, of great conversations. You contributed to our uh, special interest group hosting a cultural awareness um, meeting that was well attended. And we've put that video out uh, in our college special interest group. Um, and you are scheduled to speak at our uh, coaches conference coming up here in January on cultural awareness for strength and conditioning coaches. Um, one of the things I, I told you first <laughs> right on was, you know, this is a topic, cultural awareness and, and race that honestly, I'm not all that comfortable talking about um, publicly, uh, professionally. This is something that I think is true for a lot of coaches and a lot of people out there. Yeah. Um, I've heard you say you like talking about it. Um, so if you would talk about how cultural awareness is applicable for strength coaches and just some of the um, things that have been going on this year and yeah. uh, work you've been doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, I preface that with, with it all with by saying, hey, um, yeah, strength coaches, you know, we are not above or outside of society at large. And, you know, if one thing that, uh, uh, you know, if you haven't realized over the last four years that we are very racially divided, um, you know, now at this, at this cliff, come to the close of 2020, hopefully you do. And um, part of that is because, you know, we come from a culture that really doesn't talk about race a lot. And I do enjoy talking about it. Um, it's something I've done, you know, my whole life. And, um, and so it, it, you know, it comes fairly natural to me, but it's because I've, I've worked through a lot of these issues that we tend to put on the, the back burner, the backside of our mind, because they're uncomfortable. They're difficult to talk about, talking about our history, our identity, how we formed um, our own racial lens, our own racial experience, and especially for white folks, right? Because typically in America, white folks don't grow, grow up around the table talking about race the way um, other you know, marginalized communities of color do, right? It's, it's a must that, that communities of color talk about race. But you know, as, as white folks in America, it's not, it's not a, a real normal thing. So you don't have a lot of experience interacting um, with the topic and, and discussing the topic. And so as strength coaches, you know, there's lots of, of times where um, it's important to address. It comes up, like I said, it comes up in society, it comes up in our weight rooms. You know, I think um, a lot of us just, you think we can, you know, close the door, uh, turn the lights on, put our head down and start training people on, you know, things like how to move more efficiently, how to run faster and how to move some iron. But, you know, unfortunately, we all take our experiences everywhere we go with us, you know, and, um, you know, I had several experiences as both as a coach and as an athlete um, at the college level, in the private sector um, that, you know, force that have forced me to, to really discuss it with people and talk through it. 
I had, you know, really bad experiences. I mean, one day I came in, you know, um, I was, this is early on in my coaching career. And, you know, the, one of the kids on the football team um, had decided we had a training dummy and um, that we were using. And he had decided that he was going to tie a rope around its neck and, and talk about dry, dragging it behind his, his truck. You know, this was like a year after that guy down in Texas actually was killed by those, you know, Klansmen or whatnot after being dragged, you know, so, and, and he did it right in front of the, the other staff. And so, right. So you have um, elevated incidents of bigotry that sometimes will pop up and happen. But I think more often you have little nuances, little small conversations, things that pop up um, um, that you make you a little uncomfortable or maybe that you just don't know how to address or, how to talk about, um, you know, those types of things happen all the time. Right. And so I think it's important for us as coaches, you know, as, as figures of authority, um, as enforcers, as motivators, as, um, people who are dealing with youth, um, kids, folks younger than us, folks who look up to us, like you mentioned, um, people who are, are going to be vulnerable, um, and they're going to be empowered and everything in between. And we are, you know, we're right there with them through that whole process, you know, for us to, to really connect with them and establish that bond of trust. Um, you know, it takes some, it takes cultural awareness. It takes, you know, us knowing that, or at least having some idea about the social and racial experience that they're having. Um, and in order to do that, I mean, it's not, it's not easy, right? I mean, it's, it first, it takes self-awareness, you know, it's one of the things I'll, I'll bring up in our, our talk in January is that cultural awareness starts with self-awareness. It's being honest and being open and, and being okay with not knowing everything and, and being okay with, um, truly internalizing that, you know, our experience is only true for us. You know, other people may be having very different experiences than us. And so if, you know, if we expect that someone else will react to um, and interpret information the same way we will, that can that can lead us to trouble sometimes, you know. So, um, you know, I think I, at the crux of all of this for me is just being open, being um, being okay with being uncomfortable you know we we tell our athletes all the time dude get you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable right and we're typically we're referring to physical discomfort you know and overcoming physical discomfort but i think you know the as as coaches and as people you know we've got to be able to be willing to be socially uncomfortable too to really get through this i mean we do we have a serious racial divide and and in, in this past year i think one of the things that's happened is there's been this culmination of events that have led to um kind of a bubbling over in every sector and so you know you and i had talked about iowa um we talked about colorado state we talked about wisconsin and all of these different scenarios and situations that have to do with, um, you know, cultural awareness, racial insensitivity, some bigotry. Um, but overall, um, you know, it really has to do with race in America. And it's, I, I believe it to be the most complex domestic issue that our country has. And so it, these, these are not easily discussed topics and, and it takes, it takes some time to really dive in. And so, I think, like I said, just being okay um, diving in, being okay with your experience and not, um, no matter what your experience is, right? Um, don't negate, I don't expect anybody to negate their experience, no matter who they are. We want to share it. We want to talk about it and we want to understand it and understand other people. So, um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot to unpack. And, and what I found since you and I connected earlier on in the year and then talking with strength coaches about this stuff is that, you know, it's not in, it's not in our wheelhouse on a day-to-day -day basis. And so it can be pretty intimidating. Um, and so folks don't really want to touch it <laughs> with a 10 foot pole yet, you know? Um, and I understand that, you know, I understand that there's, um, you know, uh, people don't want to offend other people they don't want to be misrepresented, mischaracterized. I mean, 
you got some people getting fired, you know, um, over things that are, that may be questionable. Um, but I think that this is all, you know, this is all a part of what we need to disrupt. You know, it's just, it's just systemic racism at its finest, right? We are all implicated. None of us created it. Nobody living is, is nobody is at fault for it, but we all, you know, it, it, we're all responsible in, in trying to, to correct some of it, you know? So um, that's, there's a lot to it, but, uh, you know, I, hopefully I, I, <laughs> I got to your, your question there, brother, but, um, sure. you know, I think the main thing is, Hey, let's just, let's talk through some of this stuff so we can understand it. So we can be better coaches, better teachers, you know, better providers. I feel like I have a lot of questions to follow up, but you know, the one thing you said, uh, makes me think of, th there is a lot of fear of having the conversation but what you're saying is that it's important to have the conversation of race and be comfortable with it enough to uh discuss it and you know as strength coaches we have great connection with our athletes that we can connect with them on levels that other coaches can't and it's our it's in our scope to take it to that next level and challenge ourselves to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. um, but it is really tough. And one thing that I think about is how casual the weight room environment can be at, at times, the music's going, um, you know, yeah. it's, you know, we're having fun, right. You know, the guys are getting hitting their, hitting their numbers and the, in the squad and, and, you know, and athletes are moving around and there's energy, right. But then something happens and it's, it's a, it can be a huge interruption, just like any of these uh, very public situations that there's articles and coaches are getting fired. And it does show that maybe we aren't doing enough. We're not having the conversation. Yeah. Um, it, you know, is it enough to fire a strength coach? Um, and say that you've taken care of the problem. Um, what, what do you think about that? How do you deal yeah. with the, you know, how do you deal with that situation when maybe there is an incident on campus or whether words get said or, or something yeah. happens yeah. that uh, someone takes offense to? Um, yeah. How should universities, colleges, departments deal with that? Yeah. Well, uh, but this is, this is a, um, a strong one for me. I, um, the immediate firing without the without the um, without diving into the behavior is one of the reasons why we keep having to go over these issues with people. So um, there's there's been tons of incidents, but I, the one that I like to bring up is one that's local to Seattle. It has to do with the uh, Sounders. They had a guy who was a former coach. Um, I think you and I had talked about this before, but there was a former coach who had become a announcer and he made a statement. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was on Twitter. I think it might've been on Twitter um, that had, um, you know, it was kind of an ignorant, um, slightly bigoted statement, but um, honest, right? Slightly bigoted, ignorant, but honest. He said that, Hey, he didn't, I can't remember exactly what he said um, that it was like, uh, you know, I always tried to recruit, um, you know, the blacks and when they were, when they played, we, you know, I, or anytime that there was one that was good, I went after them and I don't, I'm not, no, I'm no racist. I, I have black friends. Okay. You know, and, and the, the, and so then the Sounders came out and they, um, they announced that they immediately cut ties and they said, Hey, we will not stand for this kind of, um, you know, this kind of racism and, and, and bigotry. And, and the problem that I had with this particular scenario is that there are many, many folks who don't understand why the statement, I have black friends is, is problematic, right? They don't get that um, by saying, you know, hey, I have relationships with other people of color. Therefore, I am immune to, you know, bigotry, or what the, you know, the more impactful um, part of systemic racism, which is like implicit bias, uh, you know, and how our, we go about our cultural practice. Um, so for me, we are at a stage in our lives and in our country's history where we have to 
unpack this stuff. We have to just talk about behavior. So for me, what a better approach would have been is, okay, we are going to pull this guy in. Maybe we pull some people, some other members of the team, and we're going to have a public conversation about this. We're going to teach people. We want people to learn. We need to move past this kind of thing. Okay. We want people to to really understand the impact that sustain, systemic racism has on all of us, right? It disadvantages some much at a much higher rate than others, but we're all the, I believe us all to be the victims of, of systemic racism because it makes us all weaker. It makes us weaker as a society. So I, I get very frustrated with universities, teams, um, you know, even businesses that just simply cut ties with someone without actually diving into the behavioral issue and working through it. And, and you know, and so the, and the other thing that I have that, that I need to discuss on this is context, right? So con, I believe context matters. You know, we just simply um, treating all uncomfortable incidents uh, of, um, you know, uh, racial injustice or um, any racial incident, you, you can't treat them all the same. Okay, so we, you know, we talked about Iowa. I, I don't know the details of the Iowa situation, but what I heard was bigotry. And that kind of thing does need to be stamped out. Hate, in my mind, has no place here. It has no place in our society, has no place in our weight rooms. So bigotry, open bigotry, which, you know, I always try to define for people, you know, bigotry is our, our conscious, hateful acts towards, you know, some racial group. So, you know, spraying the N-word on somebody's car or, you know, calling somebody a, a racial name with, you know, intent to harm them. Okay, so those types of incidents are actually far less common um, and don't really have the impact on the community that, um, for example, implicit bias does. Okay, so, you know, and I don't know how much time we got here, but but diving in implicit bias, I'm going to do, of course, in, in January, but um, unconscious prejudice, the, the way that we behave on a daily basis and don't recognize those, you know, those little interactions that we have can have huge impact, especially on our athletes. And so I, I try to get people to understand, um, you know, what those are and what those mean and how they, you know, affect the people around us and our and our athletes and our teams, um, more so than to understand bigotry. I think, you know, I, it's, it's, I, I have met very, very few bigoted coaches, okay? And I, I think that that's the trend will continue. I think bigotry will continue to go, become less frequent in our society as time moves on and we evolve. But unless we discuss what systemic racism is and how it affects our behaviors and our relationships, then that will go on. I want to talk systemic racism in terms of opportunities in the strength and conditioning profession. I think that is um, that's a question I get a good amount of, you know, what are the what's the percentage of African-American coaches in our field. And that's an area we can do better. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't have great statistics to, to share on, on, yeah. on what the NSCA demographic is, but I can say just from experience, just from being in the profession that this is an area we can do better across the board. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on how we as a strength and conditioning community can grow diversity um, and inclusion among the ranks of professionals? Well, yeah. I mean, and I always think about my own story, man. Um, you know, I would have never been in this field. I would have never even known this to be an opportunity had it not been for some of the coaches at the University of Washington putting their arm around me and saying, look, dude, you have something special. You, you know, you communicate with people and you vibe with people in a way that, um, you know, maybe we can't and that doesn't come around very often. And so we, we want you to do this. We believe in you. And I think that it's up to us as strength coaches to be able to do that with our athletes and identify athletes that could do well in this field, especially women and our athletes of color, underrepresented folks that um, could be in the field that we could be learning from, that we could be 
growing with. Um, it's on us to 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 really to try to seek them out and um, you know let them know that this is a field that they could thrive in and this is something that they could do right I mean they have to people have to believe that there's the door for them to go through it and so for me I wouldn't have even known you know had it not been for those those coaches encouraging me um, you know and so and and then on top of that I also think that it takes you know we, we know this this is not, not an easy field and um, it's it's tough and and we need support and we need connection and we need to know that other people are, are have struggled through it. And, you know, one of the, the frustrations I have with this industry after now that I've been in it for 20 years is that um, there's a lot of egos in this industry. And I feel like there's a lot of, Hey, I, I've, I've got the answer. You don't have the answer. These guys need to listen to me. And so that, that kind of, to me, that kind of infighting and that kind of, um, you know, bolstering and just, it, to, I, I think it's hard. It hurts the industry overall. And, and I think it, it pushes people away. Um, and so I try not to, you know, that's not who I am. That's not the kind of coach that I like being around. Um, and, and so I think we could be missing out on opportunities to get really great people, um, you know, by sticking our chest out and, and claiming we're the, we're the best in the world. So, um, I think it's on us, and I think you know. I, I do think the NSCA could do um, could do more um, of just really trying to reach parts of segments of the population that may not have been exposed to the field and the expertise in the field and what it could do. You know, I, I mentioned to you um, some time ago that just you know just partnering with. Um, organizations, maybe nonprofit organizations that that are doing work in this area, but are still, you know, an arm's length away from um, doing it at the level that the NSCA does and providing the service and the knowledge at the level the NSCA does. So I think, you know, being able to connect with those kinds of organizations will, will, will help because I mean, like, I mean, dude, there is I originally, when I left the University of Washington, I didn't, um, I only left because one of the things that I saw there was that most of the athletes came from privilege, uh, you know, and I so I'd say 75% of them, you know, had, they had the ability to, to get the skills training and they were coming from, you know, schools that had strength coaches and they just, you know, so <clears throat> for me, I thought like, well, man, there's a lot of information here that would have been very helpful to me as a high school athlete and as an athlete that's in a community that doesn't have a lot of money um, that I want to be able to provide to kids. And so I think having that reach for an organization, you know, like the NSCA is a, is a big deal um, for coaches that are at our level. It's a big deal. Um, and, uh, and so I, I think it's, it, it's imperative that we do it, man. It's on us. I do agree that as a field, we have not been uh, the most welcoming to our young coaches. And you yeah. look at, there's so much attrition within the strength and conditioning field. And you could say, oh, well, it's because salaries are low and these are long hours and tough jobs. But people are seeking out this profession because they care, because they have a passion for helping others for sports, for strength and conditioning, for working out and just training with themselves. They have something that drives them to this and then something now is driving them away. And I think we can all look back on, um, depending on which generation of strength coach you are, you, you know, on a, on an early internship experience or when, uh, it, kind of a horror story of doing something that, didn't build you up, but maybe knocked you down. And it was sort of a gut check for, man, is this, uh, is this field right for me? Yeah. Like, like, I don't know, I don't know how much I can take of this. And I think we all go through those moments. Um, but how as a field, do we get young coaches, you know, it's important to pay your dues and get experience, but how do we do that in an empowering way that grows future leaders in the profession. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I mean, I was just going to piggyback on that, man. And, and I really do believe, and you're right spot on. And you and I have talked about this before too. And, and I really think it comes down to our language. 
you know, what kind of language do we use? How do we, I mean, I've, I've probably hired 50, maybe 55 people in the 14, 15 years I've been in business. And, um, you know, all of them, uh, um, needed to be empowered, needed to be brought up, needed to be, um, uh, uplifted, but at the same time needed to know it's a grind. Okay. And that's a good thing. You need, you need to grind to learn. Okay. There's, we, we learn under the bar, like Dave Tate's book, right? You learn under the bar. We got to do this, man. Let's go. And, but I'm doing it with you. I'm, it's not me against you. And it's not, if you don't do this, you're out. I don't want to see you anymore. It's like, Hey, I'm here. We do, we, we talk to our athletes that way. You know, we need to talk to young coaches that way. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree, man. I really like talking to you about this stuff because it, it just brings so many ideas of, of how powerful our role is as strength coaches and how impactful we can be in the lives of young athletes, um, other coaches. And, you know, I think we all get to that point as coaches that, um, wow, I've had such an impact in my role and, and this is what I do. Um, and we want to pass it on to that next generation. Um, and it's truly is important to advance the starting point for that next generation. And one area that I feel like leadership books um, have really, uh, you know, just over the course of, you know, of my career and just the time that we've been in the field, there's so many leadership books out there. And, you know, we, we get a lot of language from, uh, books that get written or things that get put out there that revolve around leadership. Um, but we as strength coaches, we have to check our own language and we have to bring our own language into our coaching environment. And I think it's empowering to say that, you know, you don't have to be a best-selling author to bring quality language to your situation that helps take this field forward. I think too often we rely on pop culture messages at times. Um, and, and we use a lot of terminology that gets recycled over and over again. But I think at the core of communication, and we know this as coaches with our athletes, that it's, it's about being authentic. It's about being authentic. And when we, when we talk about these tough topics, like, like race, mm -hmm. um, it's okay to say, you don't have all the answers here. It's okay to say, man, this doesn't make me feel comfortable, but I'm open-minded to, to talk about it with you and, and, and let's work through this. And, and I think that's, that's really what brings people together. Like I said, man, I really enjoy talking to you because it makes it very welcoming for me to, to think through this. And I think we need more of that in this field. So I, I really do appreciate that. Um, Dan, you are on the education task force for our diversity and inclusion committee. And that is a group that started up this year, um, a growing initiative just with everything that's been going on. And um, this is a group that's come together. We're having conversations and we are really trying to vault diversity and inclusion um, into the networks of the NSCA um, at our events um, and in that's going to be contagious across the board in terms of other programs right our special interest groups it really speaks to the number of opportunities there are to volunteer and what it takes how you connected with us just by reaching out um, we are a volunteer driven organization and, you know, I think that is what makes us great is that the NSCA is not the, um, it's not us here at the headquarters in Colorado Springs. It's you. It's the coaches out there. It's the, the different voices that are in the weight rooms with the athletes that are engaging, that are learning, um, that, are, that are working through these challenges. So we appreciate all you're doing, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And and I'm, I'm excited about the task force. And I, I got to say, like, I, I appreciate you, man. I mean, it takes um, bold people to make bold steps. And this is a bold step. This is something that we haven't seen the industry really taking a, a strong stance on. And, and shoot, it makes me feel good and empowered. And, you know, I talk about you all the time, brother, because it's, you know, we need we need more people in positions uh, like yours, who are making significant choices to 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 make an impact and and change things. So, um, if you know, if it wasn't for for you opening these doors, man, there's you know, we wouldn't 
we wouldn't have the opportunity to make these things happen. So I'm thankful to you and I'm thankful to the, to the task force and to the NSCA um, for making this, this platform available to us. That's awesome, man. Um, you know, you are always open and I've connected you with so many people over this, uh, this past year, but we're going to include your, um, your contact information in the show notes, but um, could you share, how can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to reach out, if they want to continue the conversation? Yeah, for sure. I, I'd probably say email is, is best. Um, you, you know, and then of course my, I do always like throwing out myself. I'm old school, man. I mean, you know, you know me, brother, I'm all, I'm still trying to keep up with the social media thing. <laughs> I, I did. I finally started an Instagram right this summer, you know, after this, the George Floyd stuff happened because I was finding that a lot of people did have questions about race and felt uncomfortable talking about it. And so I just started that Instagram just strictly, um, to put out information and try to help people um, just to talk about the subject, you know, without um, so much intimidation and concern. So um, that, you know, it's just my name or Daniel underscore John is, is the, the Instagram um, address and, and um, but email is probably the best. And, and then I'll also, uh, you can always put up my, my cell number, man. I'm always down to talk about this stuff. I'm always down to help people. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Anybody that somebody wants to get hold of. Awesome, man. So, um, yeah, follow Dan on Instagram. Also, if you want to hear more from Dan on some of the topics that we have discussed today, you can go into our college uh, special interest group on Facebook um, for the NSCA. And under events, there is a meeting that we held on cultural awareness for strength coaches. Um, A little bit of a teaser for what's coming at coaches conference here in January. That's really coming up quick here. So getting excited about coaches conference and, and, and hearing, uh, hearing the full version of your talk. And um, yeah, we're just really thankful to have you on the show today. Thanks for being here. Sweet. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate you, bro. That is Daniel John of Maximum Sports Conditioning in Bellevue, Washington. To our listeners, we appreciate you listening in today. And we'd also like to thank our sponsor, Sorenex Exercise Equipment, for their support. Thank you for listening to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. We truly appreciate your support and wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you enjoy our episodes, please write us a review at iTunes or Google Play, wherever you download your episodes from. Also, be sure to subscribe so that you get these delivered to you every other week right on time. You can also go to NSCA.com and check out the episodes there. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.